Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Grunge Granny. I'm Ren, and I'm not sure if I should have like a little thingy that I say here so that people know what we're going to do every time, and I don't even know if we're going to keep that consistent, so maybe I won't. Um, I really wanted this episode to be uh, over mothers and motherhood. More specifically, three lessons that I learned from my mother and three lessons that I've learned from motherhood. If you listened to the first one, um, you know that I have certain goals that I'm working on. One of them is to do the hard thing, and a really hard thing has been processing my mother's death, which happened a while ago. It wasn't very recent, but there's a lot that... I've been realizing in the past year that I may not have processed at the time because Mother's Day was this past Sunday. I wanted to go ahead and do a Mother's Day episode. Um, I'm hoping that it'll be okay. For the things involving my mother, I pre-wrote them out because since they are more sensitive I wanted to be able to know exactly what I was going to say about it. Things involving my daughter, I just wrote an outline of because if you know me and you and I have talked before, then you know that I have no problem talking about Lizzie all the time. So that part's pretty easy for me. It's a little harder for me to talk about my mother. So I'm doing it. And I'm making sure that I go ahead and post it because of my not procrastinating thing. But to say, I say all that because if you hear the pages turning, yes, I wrote it down and I am reading some of this and I mean, you know, don't judge. It's cool. I can write things down. Here we go. So here are the three most important lessons that I feel like I've learned from my mother and some of the things are a little dark. I'm not going to go into detail about any situations. I'm not... Um, I wouldn't be comfortable vocalizing that anyway at this point. Maybe there'll be a day where I feel really comfortable doing this, and I do. But that day is not today. So I'm going to be pretty vague about situations and um, just talk about the lessons that came from them. The first one is that sometimes the people that are in your life to protect you won't. In fact, sometimes they will be the ones that hurt you and scare you and sometimes you will feel split between running from them and running to them for comfort. There were a lot of times when my mother didn't believe me or spread false rumors about me thinking that she was protecting herself and often scared me, followed by coming to me for comfort. I spent a long time thinking that I would one day take her away to live with me and that when I did, she would see a different way her life could have been and that she'd realize that she had, she'd realize what she had done wrong in never being willing to have it be just us. When she died and since she died in 2011, 
I've often seen myself in the same financial ruts, feeling guilty for any profit or savings because it comes now instead of when I really, really wanted it, you know, was it 10 years ago where I feel like I could have protected her. Though I also know that that wasn't my responsibility. Later, when I found myself in relationships and friendships that mirrored this behavior, I kept allowing people to take advantage of me, thinking of it as a way to do what I didn't do for my mom, even though I couldn't actually do it then either. So she she taught me the importance of saying no and giving to others only what you really can give, though I'm still struggling to learn this lesson. Number two, family first and protect the ones you're in charge of. Do not take on responsibilities you cannot do well. And while I have a ridiculous standard by which I define well, here I mean it as in performing the basic responsibilities of. I do not fault my mother for the ways she was not good at this but I do take it as a lesson now to prioritize the things I'm responsible for that I have agreed to take on. My mother was bipolar and schizophrenic and manic depressive. She didn't have the ability to do a lot of the things that she and I needed her to do all the time and that's okay because lesson three is going to be contradictory to this one. There are a lot of memories I have of my mother and a lot of things that have stuck with me in not the best ways. But the one that I go back to over and over is a day where she and I had locked ourselves in her room away from my father. We were crying and holding each other and I kept saying that we needed to go. We needed to get out of there, move away, leave him behind. And she suddenly stopped, got very serious and said, but Mija, what about my things? I said we'd get new things and I would work and I would buy her things and she shook her head and she said no no that wouldn't work and I got very quiet after that that was when I knew that our safety wasn't the priority and that it was the facade of a good life and the things that she had slowly accumulated after the divorce from her wealthy ex-husband through the presence of my abusive biological father And I swore then that I would never, ever compromise my children's or anyone's safety because of my things or a life that I wanted to have. Conversely, lesson number three. This woman also taught me that sometimes you have to do what you have to do. I remember her wrapping me up in a blanket to put me in the car as she went to a 3 a.m. shift at a meatpacking factory an hour away. She got sick working there, and from there, um, she started a job at a deli at a local grocery store where they fired her because she was still sick, and she kept running extremely high fevers and was delirious. I remember her asking me to drive her to the ER, and me bursting into tears and crying because I was so scared, and I was 12, and I'd never driven a car, so she drove herself which is where the doctor just gave her a shot of Demerol and then sent her on her way, and we went back home. And of course, it didn't stop. She continued to have fever. She was still very sick. 
Um, they didn't give her an x-ray or anything. They just kind of treated her like she was an addict trying to get pain meds. So then they just gave her pain meds. So the next day we went to a different ER and it turned out that she had pleurisy, pneumonia, and shingles. And when I look back at that now, I just think, oh my God, she was the toughest. And thinking of this memory makes me think that later when I was 14 and the situation from lesson two had happened, um, that I had... At that point, when I was 14, I had studied a lot on emancipation and was trying to find ways to get us both out of the house. I had been asking a lot of people that could help me and just wanted a plan. And my plan always included her. And the fact that she had decided or just insisted that wasn't an option or a solution for us and looking back at the time beforehand makes me think that it's because she thought that our lives later weren't that bad and that to her this was survivable because we had a roof and we had food and she had her things and the thing is is I never want to be at a point where I think my situation is okay because I can survive it. And I've actually already been in a boat that was similar with my daughter and I did leave it and my things. Nothing happened to her, but she witnessed the way people were treating me and I couldn't be okay with it. I didn't want her growing up seeing that and then thinking that this is the way people should treat her because that's the way I was raised and I did I left I left it and I left a lot of my things I even left a lot of my mom's things which is a really big deal and when I realized that in that transition that I had even taken some of the problem with us I removed that part of the problem from our lives. So one of my biggest struggles now is accepting that I'm not in those situations anymore. And anytime I feel an inkling of the feelings those situations put me through, it's a really strong trigger. However, one of the best lessons I could have from it is that I did it. I planned and I left. And each new thing has been better than the last and I can breathe and just breathe, breathe, breathe on it. So I think that those things are things that I can't, I can't look back at my childhood and the ways that my mother faltered and not see a really good benefit from them as well. I think I have at least this comfort that I can get out of any situation that I need to because of that. So for a brief timeline, my mom died. I graduated undergrad and then I got pregnant. 
And if pregnancy isn't a doozy for teaching you about your mother, I don't know what is. And I wanted to bring up three things that motherhood and my daughter Lizzie taught me for Mother's Day. I know I kind of rushed through the things with my mother, but I don't really feel like we need to dwell on them. So along those lines and with what I said, the first thing that motherhood taught me was that I am capable of protecting and providing for my daughter. Getting away from the situation that I was in was really hard on both of us and it kind of continues to be. I have to work a lot more. We see each other less and we talk less, but when we do, I can at least know that we're safe and that we have our basic needs covered. And I know that I'm capable of figuring out a way to make sure that that's always the case. And in that, I feel like I do fulfill the promise to my mother. I, I, I will find myself in tears multiple times a year thinking about how I was in school instead of just working, working, working to live with my mother and provide for her. There are so many times that I think that I should have done that. There are so many times that I'm upset with myself for not doing that for her or figuring out a way then because I kept thinking once I got my degree, it would be more advantageous. And possibly that would have been true, but also possibly it might not have been. And I did take in a lot of people that I didn't know very well, that weren't very trustworthy, um, that took advantage of me. And while half of me was really bitter about that, there was this other side that felt like I deserved it because I didn't do that for my mom while she was alive. But now that it can just be for my daughter and she's really the only human other than myself that I'm responsible for. I like real talk. Like I think that we all have a responsibility to our communities and to society in general. I do think that if we have the means to give somebody something they, they need that we should do that as kind people because bettering the lives of other people can only help all of us if we all did that then everyone would be in a much better place but if you're not capable of that or if you are struggling then you're only really responsible for yourself it's the only thing you really have any control over anyway is yourself and I believe that very very strongly now it's one of my one of my mantras I have to tell myself every day anytime I want a situation to be different and even as when I want a situation to be different with my daughter even when I want her to see something differently and to not act a certain way I have to remind myself that I don't control her this has to do with her personality and her tendencies and her habits and I can't control her 
But what I can do is just make sure that she's safe and that she's in a safe environment to explore her feelings and to learn to express herself in safer ways without being harsh to other people and without allowing other people or children's harshness to affect her so deeply, just trying to boost her confidence and her own self-love so that she doesn't feel so affected by that. And that's really hard. It's really, really, really hard. It's really hard to have this tiny human that you really, really adore, but also want to be the best version of themselves and have to accept that they're only going to get to the best version of themselves just with your love and acceptance and and freedom, I guess, to understand and process their own situations and emotions themselves. It's really hard. But that, I guess that would maybe multiple lessons, but being able to know that I can do it, that I can leave a situation and take her with me and provide her with what she needs has been really empowering. The second lesson that motherhood has taught me is that example is the biggest teacher. And this is from, even from infancy, I was in grad school at the time and Lizzie would see me reading and she would pick up all these books and would pretend to read them. She would pretend to write. She would pretend to be me with her dolls. She would sing them the songs that I sang to her and it was really eye-opening that, yeah, I could provide her with all of these wide variety of toys but if she sees me only handling certain materials then she's going to want to only handle certain materials that I could give her um, trucks and we could get her vet kits and uh, play doctor sets and things like that but if she sees me just drawing all the time or writing or reading then that's what she's going to do And I, that was exemplified way later when she got older and I started to see the way she would interact with people and how she's not very social and she doesn't really know how to interact with people. And I know that that's probably something that is also because of me. And which helps remind me of the importance of social relationships, which is also one of the goals that I mentioned in the first episode. (laughs) Um, It is really important for her to see me interacting with friends and developing friendships because that's how she's going to learn how to treat her friends otherwise she's not gonna know 
And that's a lot harder nowadays. I can think back to when I was little and my mom would have friends over and I got to watch them interact and television shows where people would do things with their friends. And nowadays, my friendships um, are primarily over my phone. She doesn't see the interactions that I'm having with people. She doesn't know the conversations that we're having and she doesn't know the way that I treat them or they treat me. And it's a lot harder to to be an example of that. But in the same way, along with that, um, I need to be also a better example of taking care of myself. I need to be a better example of handling my emotions and allowing her to feel what she wants to feel or is feeling without it affecting my mood because if I want her to be able to go to school and deal with kids that might be upset and might be really harsh to her and I want her to be able to learn to be really strong and to just breathe and stay calm and just send them love and go sit down and do something else then I have to be able to do that with her as well instead of getting upset or reacting to it and that is really really hard and there's some days that I'm really good at it and there's some days that I'm not and we talk about it when I'm not but that is definitely a really really big lesson and after learning that one I was able to look back and see not just with myself but friends um Like you do, you learn through example. You pick the people that you want to be more like and they are either people that you love because they love you. Sometimes they're people that you love because they've supported you or helped you in some way. Sometimes you love these people because they inspire you in some way. And I think it's really important to ask yourself what it is that you love about these people that are your examples and then apply it to your life And honestly ask yourself if that is the right example. If that is who you want to see yourself as in five or ten years. And if whether or not you can even see yourself realistically living that life. Because there are so many people that I wholly admire. And I absolutely adore. But when I think about their situations in mine um like we don't have the same lives like I'm I can't live the lives that they have and it's not gonna happen that way uh and I instead have to decide that okay I'm going to adore them from afar and just be appreciative of their abilities and their skills and be proud of them but I'm going to not try to adopt their lives as mine or make my lives theirs because it's just not gonna be and that's okay and then the third lesson which is recent for me and I kind of I'm kind of bothered that this was such a recent discovery for me as I have been a 
the third one is about love languages. But I am a big proponent of love, love languages. Um, I always try to be very clear on my love language, which is definitely acts of service. And then the next is quality time. Those are my big two. Uh, acts of service pretty much takes all of them, though. Some of them are, if the other ones are just, they score so low. I think that when, to me, performing an act of service for somebody allows for the other things that if you do an act of service for someone what you've done is you've given that person time and when you give that person time you give them the opportunity to either do something for themselves or you give them the opportunity to um like use that time to work and or maybe it was something that they were doing during their work and they were tired and it becomes money in a way and I know that like time is money is a really terrible thing to say but as a person that perpetually works um I see acts of service in that way if I can work 10 hours in a day and then I go home and want to work on a different project or a different thing that I'm doing someone having a meal prepared or just doing the dishes and taking out the trash is amazing. Otherwise, that would have been 30 minutes of my time. And 30 minutes of my time could have been spent to something that could have benefited all of us. But now that I have to do this thing for 30 minutes, which would just prolong my night, then, then I feel even more worn out when it comes to doing the other thing. Like if I was going to do this podcast, if I was going to work on this podcast, but beforehand I had to do a whole bunch of housework, um, I would be too tired maybe to do this podcast. And I think that that's, I know that right now it's not like, I'm not like, profiting or anything I'm just I think that time is the most important thing so acts of service to me is giving somebody time giving somebody their own time but I know a lot of people whose love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch and I'm not sure if you got this from the lessons from my mother, but words of affirmation and physical touch were not the, they were not what they should have been when I was a child. And when I got older and I was putting myself into these cyclical situations, they continued to not be the same, um, they continue to not be what they should have been. So I don't often um, trust people at their word. I I like to know them for a long time and uh, observe them to see how much a person's word is worth um, and physical touch. I have to be very comfortable with a person um, and I find it very easy for me to feel uncomfortable 
with someone's physical touch. Now, in saying that, it blew my mind when I realized that I didn't know Lizzie's love language. And so in the car one day on her, the way home from school, I made up a simple love language test just to kind of compare them all against each other and see what she thought says I love you the most. So I asked her, do you think you feel like I'm saying I love you when I make you dinner? Or do you feel like I'm saying I love you when I give you a random hug? And she said, you need to give me a random hug. Like, okay. And then we went through and just made, I'm made up a bunch to compare them against each other. And it was really clear that her top two are words of affirmation and physical touch. And that is so hard for me. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it because I have such a bad experience with it. But what it does tell me is that she's had such a good experience with it that that it means the most to her. And that is really heartwarming and definitely helps me stay motivated to remember that I need to be more physical with her. Um, I remember like telling her about how when I was a kid, I used to French braid my hair so that when I woke up, I could take it out and it would be in all these waves. And we started doing that like twice a week and how much she loved that. And she loved that because we would be sitting together and I would be, um, she would sit in my lap and I would be braiding her hair. And when I told this to somebody, a friend of mine, she had told me, that she remembers her mother doing the same thing with her and how much that meant to her and how it was one of her favorite things was having her hair brushed by her mom and having her hair braided by her mom. And I just never made that connection that that was a thing for her that she loved so much because that was the way that she felt loved. And so that's something that I'm trying to be way more aware of is other people's love languages and that though I tell people what mine is and I do a lot of things for people because that is my way of saying I love them and I may not actually ever say that I love them and I may not actually ever spend time with them or hug them or anything I'll just do things for them. Um, sometimes that gets treated like, oh, well, you're kind of a workaholic. That's just your jam. That's the thing you like to do is do stuff. And it is, but it's very much my expression of love. And I have to remember to not take it personally that other people don't always see it that way. And it's a good reminder for me that just because this is my expression of love, what that means is that this is how for other people they can best tell me they love me but when it comes to me letting other people know how much I love them I really need to be way more aware of their love languages and meet them on it I need to meet them where they are because It's one thing to love 
a person and to express that in the way that I feel strongest. But I think it's even more meaningful to compromise that and to express it in the way that they feel it strongest. And I see this a lot in my life in a whole bunch of different ways. And one of the things that I use to kind of see what kind of a per- a person is, what kind of a person a person is, is looking at their gifts that they give. There are some people who will give people things that they want a person to have. Um, and then there are things, there are people who will give people gifts that they know that person specifically wanted. <clears throat> and I think it's nice to have a balance. I try to do two gifts if there's somebody, like if it's Christmas time and I'm trying to give a lot of gifts to different people, I try my best to do two gifts. One thing being something that they specifically have wanted and then one thing that I think that I'm hoping they'll really like because I really like it and think that they might also like it. I think it's a good way to strike a balance but I think it's it says a lot when there's someone who only ever gives you gifts or if you're a person that only ever gives gifts that you just want people to have and not necessarily what people have requested and it doesn't mean that you love them any less and it doesn't mean that your love is even on a different level or you know hierarchy of love it's just a way of expressing it and I I think that sometimes when that happens the person receiving the gift feels like something was missed Um, like there feels they feel a disconnection from that person kind of a, why did you give me this? <laughs> like, I don't understand why they, I got this gift. And I, or maybe that's me being a jerk because maybe some, maybe most people are just stoked on any gift. And sometimes that's also the case. I just thought that that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned from Lizzie and the most maybe even the most important one I think that if we met other people on their level to express the things that we need to express but in the ways that they are accustomed to hearing things and feeling things that it would fix a lot of miscommunication and then we could all just understand each other and be a big old group of friends I'm going to end up making this one too long so I am going to stop but that was my Mother's Day episode I had a really great Mother's Day I spent the day repotting some plants so that they'd have some more room Lizzie came home and she had gotten sick in the car on her way back from her nana's and she was a little out of it but we had some tea we had a rose Tulsi and elderberry tea because it felt like a good mother's day tea and 
we watched Bob's Burgers and we drew. And it was a pretty simple night, but we don't often watch TV shows. And watching Bob's Burgers, and it was the one with Linda trying to be a part of the school board. So it was a good mommy episode. I liked it. It was an an overall good day. And even though some of the things that I was thinking of were starting to be downers, I really wanted to do this episode because I was proud of myself for feeling kind of affected by Mother's Day and thinking about my mom and being able to reframe it every time pretty quickly. Just thinking about any situation and quickly reframing it to a positive and how that's actually been really beneficial for me. I hope that this relates to some people and if not, then at least I did the hard thing and made it anyway. All right. I hope you all have a good week.